I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Matthew DeCero is a comedian and a magician and a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for many, many years. In fact, he was guest number three. You're going to hear about that probably on the podcast. We talk about a lot of things today, but really what we're uh, sort of having some fun with is his appearance that's coming up on the Penn and Teller show. And you're going to hear more about that and why TV is really just all about manipulation. And Matt's a little concerned that this uh, interview was going to come across as a bit negative, but it, it it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. It's insightful. It may sound a little negative, but the truth is, you know, as Matt would say, that is the reality of, of showbiz. And so, so we talk about showbiz. We talk about uh, loving things and why, and, and loving what you do, not loving things, but loving what you do and why Matt loves being on stage, everything about being on stage and why he's got no ego left at all. He's been in show business long enough to know that that's probably the best place to land. Uh, don't forget to check out davidpecklive.com for uh, more podcasts. I think Matt's is the 200th podcast now. How cool is that? Uh, sign up for our email list, check out my book, Real Change is Incremental, subscribe to us on iTunes face-to-face, and uh, we're moving into TIFF, so stay tuned, and don't move, don't touch your dial, Matthew DeSero. Well, welcome to Face to Face, we're joined by another very special guest today, that actually, uh, returning guest, Matthew. From from early on, in the early days of your podcast. I I might have to check while we're here sitting at the... Uh, I don't even know what this place is called, the Q Restaurant. I figure, I'm listening to right now to a podcast by Sam Harris and Dan Dennett, and I figure if they can record podcasts at, at a local too. bar, we can too. So uh, <laughs> we've, we've classed it up. Today. That's right. We're, we're moving up in the podcasting in the digital world. Um, so, so you, so yeah, I think it was like podcast two, maybe. I'm going to go two. back and check. While, yeah, while I think you're, it was number two. When, while you're getting into one of your long-winded answers, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to. I will go, have many I long-winded bet, answers. I think you will too. Yeah, I'm going to go back and check. So, comedy magic with Matthew DeSero. Why did you not 
become an architect instead is the real question. Well, this is the question I ask myself every single day. I should have done anything else. Um, like, no, is, your, is your resume like one line, comedian? So do you know what's funny? I have a name, this is a true story, I don't think I've told you this yet. Yeah, <clears> uh, listeners might know I know Dave. So, uh, I have a neighbor who works at a dump. Works, <laughs> he works at a dump. Why is that funny, but anyway. Right across the street from my house. And he's like, oh, they're hiring. You should come work there. We just sit around and we watch movies and Netflix all day. I go, oh, I've never had a job. But I've never also never had an interview. So I thought I'd like to try this to get an interview. So I, I go, okay, set it up. So the guy is, is okay with it. Oh, so you actually went? So I went and had an interview. My neighbor's was like, like your my, first interview ever? Ever. Ever. I had a job in 1989 working at a movie theater. Yep. And that's it. So my neighbor's like, look, this guy's never had a job. He's never had an interview. But still, he wants to try and get this job. So the guy asked for a resume. So I have to print up my, my resume is not even one paragraph long. All it is is like 1989 to present, comedian, magician. And then the bullet points underneath are things like writes jokes, goes on a plane and tells them. That's <laughs> like, hilarious. Oh yeah, it's just it's crazy. So what was, what was the interview like? It was about 10 minutes. Turns out to get a job at a dump is not a, a grueling interview. Uh, not too concerned about your educational, but your CV you know, is not. You need to know how to tie bags. Is that pretty much it? And you need a not, even, not even that. Like not that. even that. He's just like uh, you know how to use a microphone on a walkie-talkie. I'm like, hey, I got my ham radio license. <laughs> Swear to God. Anyways, um, I was offered the job. Wow. Okay. Can you imagine that? I was offered the job. But I didn't take it. Episode episode three. Sorry, episode man. three. I was, I was uh, getting a little bored with your answers. So yeah, no. I, well, it wasn't a very good answer. I'm going to so, be drinking my, my uh, Caesar. Yes, Matt's beers. having a virgin Caesar. I'm having a Coke here at the Q on Queensway. We might as well put in some shameless advertising. We got thrown out of Zellers, by the way. We tried to uh, record in, in the, the mattress department. In the, in the glassed-off mattress department. Yeah. We're like, hey, can we just record in here? And they threw <laughs> We should probably out. edit this section out. And you were on CBC a couple of days ago, and then we head to Zellers. I mean, it's like I know, I'm on a national boot, radio boot show, next. like Canada's premier national radio show. Uh, interviewed for a do long they, time. Do they pad their sound booths with mattresses as well, or is that just Zellers? What? I, no, I think they pad them with taxpayers' dollars. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, what it's padded with. Yeah. yeah, the whole 10th floor is filled with cash. So you're not going to take the job? No, 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 no. I was just really curious to see what the interview was like, and it's unlike uh, it's unlike you know trying to get a, a new agent or something like that. It was weird. I felt a little uncomfortable. But he's asking me questions. Your listeners are going to be like, oh, "We've all had 50 jobs. What are you talking about?" But it was crazy. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that your CV is one paragraph. One paragraph. Yeah. Like I have nothing to say. And my what are my skill sets? So comedy comes out of. Um, a desire never to work for real money, or it was it? Uh, oh no, there's real money in this. Yeah, there is. There yeah. is. Yeah, no, you know, never had a job, but I've also had. I've had as close to a normal life as any act could possibly have in this country, right? House, car, kid. Yep. All that stuff. The missus doesn't work. So everybody should know that Matt, Matt and I go way back. Or sorry, Matthew and I go way back. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Many of you know that I've been performing, doing magic, and so. Mm -hmm. He had a beautiful act. Uh, yes, a coin act. We've worked uh, similar stages. We've been nicknamed the whiniest people in show business. I mean, so we have we have some history here. It's probably going to come out in the podcast. But today, we're, we're going to talk about, probably about comedy. We're going to talk a little bit about magic, I suppose. But Matt and I had the, I guess, opportunity or pleasure, you could say, of traveling to Vegas together recently. And it's now been officially announced, I think. Yes, totally official. So can say it. Matt was on the Penn and Teller show, filmed at the Rio, Rio in, in Las Vegas. In Vegas, it was 
my first time in Vegas, which was kind of weird. Weird for me to experience somebody never having been to Vegas before. Well, it's, it's just, strange. It's such a gong show from a spectacle. It's a two-day town. It's over the top. It's, it's the world's biggest cruise ship that doesn't float. It's it's a cruise ship. It's like one massive buffet. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean, and even the buffet in our hotel was. I mean, we could have probably what sat oh, about fifteen hundred yeah. in there. It was ridiculous. But that's the nature of Vegas. I love Vegas, but I only like it for a couple of days. And then so I'm you were there. we were there for four days to film. Basically, a, a four seven minutes, minute, yeah, seven, yeah, seven minutes spot. spot. But there was, you know, there was a day where they shot an interview. There was a day where they shot B-roll, like uh, background video for that interview, and then there was something else, and then there was the day of actually shooting the show. So it was nice. Uh, and you came down, and Glenn Ottaway was there. Who's, uh, yeah, there was a bit of a Canadian contingent there, which was kind of neat. Yeah, really. we can't say the other acts, unfortunately, because right. they have not been can announced. We, can we say what, who they run with? Les and Pessa, uh, Les and Pessa were very nice to be there. Yes. Well, all um, we can say is that there was some real serious talent down there across I, the board. Really, Wouldn't some of say? the best magicians in the world were represented on that show. So I want to talk a little bit about backstage. I want to find out more about the process because I think what's interesting, uh, I think, is that is that is that whole TV side of things, right? From going from a yeah. kind of live theater uh, to a corporate crowd, and what people see on TV is way nothing, right. even remotely, right? It's Similar to what it's actually like. So, so overall, manipulation it, is the key to television. Interesting. Okay, it so really there's is. the soundbite from this interview. Yeah, that's the so, pull quote. So, tell me uh, about the whole experience. I mean, good? Would you say? So, I mean, for those, I okay. So, for your for your listeners who don't know, the show's called Fool Us, and uh, magicians come from all over the and world. Now affectionately referred to as Fu in the, F, in the. Yes, we will refer to it as I was Fu'd. That's right. I was Fu'd. So, uh, magicians from all over the world come to uh, Las Vegas. They're flown in. And they perform uh, in Penn and Teller's theater at the Rio Hotel, and you uh, perform a magic trick for them, and you try to fool Penn and Teller in front of their live audience. So, uh, honored to be on the show. It was nice yeah, to be asked, sure, and of course. you know, there's very few oh, Canadians on the show. And I, and I sat in the audience. And, Dave and sat in the audience, and Glenn Ottaway sat in the. And you know what was funny? Dave said to me as soon as I walked off stage, "You said uh, I was nervous for you," and I'm like, "Funny, because you're not up there." In, in the back waiting to go on nothing to be nervous you just gotta sit and watch I just gotta sit and watch no I know it's, it's so and it's unlike I've done lots of television shows and radio shows with myself and with other people and you know what's interesting about this that's uh, totally different is um, you're not allowed to hang out with the other acts you're not you're, segre you're segregated from everybody so, uh, and does that have something to do with the secrets, with the magic? I, with they the, say it has to do with, um, like, if I watch somebody, I'm gonna, I have the potential, or if I interact with them, another act, I can potentially talk to them about how Penn and Teller work out things, or they, they figure it's like there's a contest element to the show, right? Even though it's not really. They say there's, there's a, a there's a, con a contest, contest element. element oh, to I it. see what you mean. Right, right, right. right so there, and, and what is the prize? It's uh, a trophy. It says Fu. Really? Swear to God, yeah. It comes wow. down from the ceiling if you fool them. And some fritella. And yeah, like literally, that's about it. And then you're escorted out of the building. Oh, I thought there was money and, and a spot on the show or something. I think you get a like, chance to go back and perform for oh, Penn and Teller if you can afford the airfare to get yourself down there, kind of yeah, thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you're on your own. But overall, good experience, would you say? Or uh, something Cripplingly you would... stressful. Wow. Uh, and again, been on lots of television before, but nothing quite like this. Matter of fact, I don't know if I ever told you this. Right before I went on stage, I was thinking, because uh, it was nice to have Glenn Ottaway and Dave Peck in the audience. And uh, you know that scene in Lord of the Rings at the Battle of Helm's Deep? <laughs> when uh, when Legolas looks over at Aragorn and goes, your friends are with you, Aragorn. Right? 
So I was like, yeah, my friends are with me. And then I look out, I'm standing there behind the camera waiting to go out, and I'm like, they aren't even here. No one's helping me. This is garbage. Wow. Yeah, and then you're like... And, and do you think, do you think it, was it, was it purely, purely... I'm not afraid of being on TV. Right, no, but was it stage fright, do you think? Was it, was it you No, were, well, I've grown up, honestly, Glenn Ottaway made it way more stressful. I was so thrilled that Glenn came down, but Glenn is a magician from Toronto who not everybody probably knows, but uh, I've watched him since I was a kid and have been friends with him for a long time, and... You know, taught me a lot of things about how to perform, and so having him in the audience, I'm like, I don't really care if I let myself down or even the TV audience. But boy, so, if, if I suck and Glenn so there was, sees me die, that's there, awful. Which is really neat, I think, on a whole lot of levels. But there was a sense of pride to this, really, almost. Well, I have no. I've, pride, been in, I've been in show business long enough not to have any ego yes, left, right? But like right. at all. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I don't want Glenn to see me die because he, on his own dime, flew down there and took time out of his, his life to come and see an old friend perform and people also have to realize it's not just a television spot it's yes it's a television spot but it's it's an American television showing Canadians hardly ever get on American television it's a big deal what about the peer thing what about the fact that you're gonna be going up against other magicians that uh, well, I'm not that, it's that like golf I'm, I'm only competing with myself right I, I'm not competing with the other acts I don't care if they fool them I, I, truthfully I didn't even really care if I fooled Penn and Teller which you're not allowed to say anything about yet, right? Contractually, I can say nothing until it airs. Yeah, we're a couple weeks out from air date, which is, uh, let's plug it uh, now. Yeah, August, August 17th, 8 p.m. on the CW Network. Right. Fool us with me and who who knows who else. Um, and you don't even know who else is on the show. No. Isn't they shoot They shoot as modular. So the four, pe five people who are on my show, we could all be, matter of fact, the guy who was on two positions after me was on the premiere. So they just cut us up and move us right. around, sure. right? Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, backstage is, I mean, listen, it's the nicest, you saw the stage, nicest stage I've it's ever a, worked it's on. It's gorgeous theater. Yep. Gorgeous theater, it's gorgeous beautiful. stage. The backstage is great, hair and makeup were fantastic. It's, you know, it's unlike Canadian productions, there's a lot more money, and there's a, you can tell. There's nine cameras and a crane, that's, when was the last so time you saw it, that in Canada? So, so a little bit of pride, no ego, but pride, which I think is kind of interesting to me from a, a What comes before the fall? That's right. I think it's pride. Nice, nice way to quote, quote the Old Testament. I do my best. Yeah, I know you do. So, um, was there? I mean, is it stage fright, Penn and Teller fright. So Penn and Teller are You're what? You're gonna be made to look like a fool. Uh, Penn and Teller are what? Ten feet away from me? Yeah, very something close. like that. Yeah. So it's weird because I perform. And they're all I'm, and they're always whispering to each other. Yeah, it's it's just <laughs> this is the other just so the cameras are mildly distracting from my yep. performance. Yeah. But having them talk amongst themselves, it's because you know like normally if I'm in a theater and two people are talking, I'm gonna stop and be like, hey. Yeah, put you're, the gonna, phone, you're gonna call put them Put the out. Pokemon game down. Yeah, yeah sure, you're gonna call uh, them. Out. But you know, get, their name happens to be on the theater. So I can't really say much. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It freaks you out. But ah, all the stress was just to do mostly with Glenn. And then, uh, you know, so it's a performance, but you're also trying to, you, you cannot prognosticate likely events, right? With a show like that. Sure. You yeah. can try all you want. And so I tried to take the Zen approach of whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But then you walk out there and you're like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, you know, the host, were, the host stole my opening line, if mm -hmm. you remember. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had a misstep. What had happened was during camera, I don't know if I told you this, during camera block, they try to figure out what my opening line is going to be in the rest of my performance. They can figure out how to shoot it. My opening line was going to be this. And then um, I walk out and Allison Hannigan, the host of the show, says, ladies and gentlemen, joined by five people from the audience who he's never met before, Matt DeSero. And now I have 10 seconds to say 
something else. So you mentioned earlier TV's manipulation, but it's also really artificial, right? Because I've seen that act. I've seen your act many times, too many times. Yeah, yeah. And I know the setup, and I know how it goes, and I know how you pull people out of the audience. You didn't get to do that here because it's nope. all about economy of emotion and speed. Well, and, and it's also about demographics. Mm. So I mm. wanted... Um, I, I wanted, I'm going to say, I don't care, I, I wanted uh, four, four females and one guy. Always oh, is how that piece works. And I had asked for uh, uh, anything, I don't care as long as it's not a black guy at the end of this, at the end, as long as it's not a black man because I don't want all the jokes centered around that black. And I have this, right. I have a joke about, uh, you know, I just name a bunch of the potential colors of their underwear. I go, brown is not a color, sir. And it just, it would look hinky. And I've, right. I've tried and just it. for context, this is an effect about your, 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 Five people are on stage. Defining the, pick, the, the color, color of, of people's, people's underwear. Five people are on stage, and I figure out the color of their underwear. So, um, yeah, I don't want that. So I say, look, you guys pick whatever you want. And they go, well, you know, we need, a, you need like an Asian person. We need a, they, wow. they, they have right. demographics right. they have to appeal right. to. Um, Matter of fact, I'm the last year for this show. Like they, they actually said, if I was a year older, they probably wouldn't have had me on the show. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I walk out from around the camera, and there's like a black guy at the end, and I'm like, "You just killed three jokes, and I'm not going to no, be rude so, enough." So st step on your lines. You got yeah. Yeah, there's tons of missteps and missteps. Yeah. And so like, you're going in kind of not empty-handed, but you're not. Well, not it's not loaded. the way it was. It's not the way it was in the uh, camera block. Certainly, and in the rehearsal. But at the same time, my job is to deal with whatever comes my way, and I like that, so I had to deal with it. Did it look from the audience like it was a mess? No, not at all. No, and I think that's pretty classic, right, for any performer. I mean, I know I've been I, on stage. Well, do you know what so relaxed nervous. me? I'll tell you, uh, I've not told a soul this, I don't think, but what, un what really relaxed me was right before I walk out on stage, uh, production is hanging with you, and they walk you out to your mark before you start the tape. And um, I'm standing behind the backstage right camera, and the camera operator is sitting in his chair eating a, uh, a submarine sandwich. <laughs> He's just eating a sandwich, waiting for them just to strike the stage. Care. Doesn't care. They're resetting the lights from the last act, and they're getting ready. And they're getting my mic set up, and he's just, you know, hossing out on his sandwich. Kind of levels the room, right? Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, okay, here we are. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. Well, on one level, it's really high end and it's stressful and all that, and then on another, you just kind of go, "It's a, it's another show, right?" And it's, I think. However, it, it's another show that if it looks like crap, yeah. and, and that can be through not even through my fault. I can be screwed over in editing. Let's say it never goes away, especially in the age of the internet with um, YouTube, follow you around like a bad penny. There could be lasting damage from a bad spot. So yeah, I guess that's a little bit of stress. Yeah, that's probably. But mostly Glenn Ottaway sitting in the audience. I really wanted to make sure. Because imagine, so he came down specifically to see me. Imagine if I, I don't even know, I can't remember, but maybe I sucked, maybe I didn't. But if well, I really sucked. And he was so great and so generous. And, I mean, I was sitting with him. Yeah, well, it, it would ruin his trip to go, because, you know, the guy who comes down to see tape sucks. I mean, oh, my God, I can't have that. So, yeah, that was bad. So what do you learn about doing magic on TV? Is it, is it, is it, is it, I mean, I've always wondered about it myself. You know, well, I had some interesting from. debates with production and the directors. They wanted to change my performance and they wanted to change my trick a little bit and what I've learned is yeah it's all artificial like they will they're not particularly concerned about what you do as long as it looks good on camera so 12 years of doing this trick with an ending that I've built up for a long long time that's unique to me and they just want to throw it away because they don't think it'll play well on TV and I'm like yeah it will it will there's a live audience I know I can tell you this will kill and back and forth no no we don't think so and I just go this is 
bad news. Yeah, there's other factors at play. I mean, what about the notion of misdirection, right? So you're doing a card trick for a well, it's hard to misdirect nine cameras and, Very a, difficult. and a crane that's swooping in front of your face. Plus, right? you've got an audience. Plus, you've got two people that are, you know, got you under a microscope. Yeah, and there is a bit of weirdness, too. Like, um, Penn, I, you know, like a lot of us watched Penn and Teller since we were a kid. I used to watch Penn and Teller's Invisible Thread, the short, remember? It? Right. Sorry, with the mic. Used to watch that uh, all the time. And then you walk out and you see them, and Penn's lost 100 pounds. I from one of their, the, one of their, the film. I remember them, I don't know why this going through the, the, the security check at the airport and he with rolls the, with the, the ball, ball. There. It's, that's hilarious it's what is a, with this fascist machine yeah it's such yeah, a it's, funny it's the best bit, thing it's, probably the best thing in the movie yeah it's such a great but bit that was Penn and Teller getting killed that's right yeah. so yeah it's weird to see them out there yeah. Yeah, yeah what I you, bet. Gonna, you know, it's strange to. And, so you and did you interact with them at all? I mean, did they you, wouldn't let us talk to them. Interesting. So at all because I can't, the, I can't be like, I can't see them. This because, is like quiz show, man. Yeah, it was funny. I kept thinking about quiz show too, right? Like, but there's no money. The, like in quiz show, the audience Ooh. is tuning in to follow the money. It was a sixty-four thousand right? dollar question or something. Wasn't yeah, it? that's the real life yeah, version of quiz show. Yeah. And then, but this, what are they? What are they? They're just tuning in. It's it's the well, closest. You get the FU trophy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what the cool thing is? This show is as close to. Like the Sullivan show, as we've had. Right. There's never been another TV show that's had this many magicians on, uninterrupted for seven minutes at a time, since Sullivan. What do you it's think? Huge. What do you think of the premise? The fact that here you are. I mean, kind of takes that mystery out of magic a little bit, doesn't it? You're setting the audience up. Just but like everyone knows that the, the magic's not real. You think I'm Gandalf? <laughs> Nobody thinks I'm Gandalf. Nobody thinks I'm going to go up and go, you shall not pass. That's right. Yeah. Right? And slam my cane down. No. Nobody. So the, the premise of Fool Us, you're referring to the effect. Well, just the, kind the of method that whole puzzle. Like, here, I'm, I've got this puzzle. You guys need to figure it out. So the, the cat's kind of out of the bag, in a sense. Well, in 2016, in the age of reality television, this is what you're up against, right? There has to be some sort of tension between the host and the people on the show, and that tension is in the form of a competition. They would never have got that show made if they said, look, we want five magicians a show to come up and perform. Never I, would have had that made. I haven't heard uh, a lot of criticism of it. Maybe there is um, out there. Maybe there's writing out there. But there, there must be some, uh, there's a group of magicians who think that the notion of setting you up to fail. sort of to fail or to say, ha, I got you, is the wrong way to position but from the magic. minute the producer said I would be on that show, when they finally booked me, I was like, yeah, I don't care about fooling them. Right. Because I, I, if, if the audience, if the millions of people who are watching this are only concerned about whether I fool them or not, that's, I'm not probably doing my job right. I just want to be entertaining. Right. Who cares if you fool them or not? You're on a national television show and you get to perform for seven minutes. And, and people, don't, people don't see this kind of stuff ever anymore. It's not like America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent, you only get 90 seconds. Right. right? This is seven minutes. People get to see people's fully developed uh, routines and pieces from their act. It doesn't happen anymore. That is what makes it special. Is there a sense, is that, is that sort of why you, you lean more towards the comedy than the magic? Would you say that, that um, you just want, you know, you just mentioned, you, I don't really care about it, I just want to be entertaining. Oh, I mean, well, I lean more to the comedy than the magic because it's more sellable in this country. And just country. because you weren't that talented, frankly, no, wasn't it? No, really? absolutely no talent. It's amazing <laughs> how far I've got on very little talent. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's not that I don't want, I didn't want to, I didn't care about fooling Penn and Teller. The audience at home will be fooled by what I did. There's no way they're going to know how I did that thing. Because I know that from 12 years of doing it, right, nobody ever figures right. it out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident the method will fool them unless they 
zoom in on certain. But things on a certain level, you don't care about that anyway, right? You want you want them really to. to I want them to, to, to be laugh and be to entertained, laugh, to yeah, enjoy and the that seven minutes with yeah. Matt Desaro kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. What's your yeah. tagline? Take the boredom out of the boardroom. Take the boredom out of the boardroom. So all I do is but corporate work. A little, uh, speaking of cheap hustles or cheap, what is it? Dodges and cheap hustles. Cheap dodge or hustle. It's mattdesero.com. That's M-A-T-T-D-I-S-E-R-O.com. Please book me for your conference or yes, convention. Yes, live to tape uh, here, face to face at yeah. the Q. <laughs> Formerly Saint Hubert. So why do you say you've got you've been in show business long enough for there to be no ego left? That, I, it's because it beats you, but, it, it, but show business beats you down, right? It all because here's the weirdness of show business. So I just perform on a national, I'm sorry, on an international show. That show airs all over the world in Las Vegas. I'm flown down. I'm treated like a star. I get this suite, and the next day when I came home, I was home for a day, and then the next day I performed at a military base bar. Like you can, you know, just one day you're. Playing the best place ever, and then the next day you're we can be working in crap. It's the most humbling job ever, right? Because you could be anywhere. And a few weeks after that, you were interviewing at the local dump. So, and then I was interviewing at the local the dump. Causal chain. My mysteriously I see, I, connected. <laughs> I see how the line of my career is pointing down. Yeah. Ah well, what can you do? It's gonna. But that's fall. not. I mean, <clears throat> there's clearly something that. That, that holds you to it. It's not just that you Well, couldn't. lack of experience or skill for anything else. All I know is show business. Like, you're asking if what's keeping me in show business? Well, you could get the job at the dump, even though you have a... a, a Pretty a, tough to support the wife seat. and child on $15 an hour. You have a blank space for a resume. I, I got some room on it, there's no question. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, my resume is yeah. three inches of type. You, you still enjoy it. Don't you? I love everything about being on stage. Right. I hate everything about the business. Everything about the business is crap. I hate negotiating contracts so, and money, but this is what agents are for, and I happen to have a good one, so that works out. So, so to be a successful act, do you have to do a little bit of everything, basically? I disagree with that. Like the people who go, oh, you got to do birthday parties, you got to do libraries, you got to do adult shows, blah blah blah. I think the more you specialize, the better. The only reason I've survived this long is because I only do corporate. I only do one thing really, really well, and that's it. I don't do close-up magic, I don't do kids' parties, I don't do any of that nonsense. Um, yeah, if you don't specialize, you're in big trouble. What about the business side? It, I mean, you're at a point now in your career where you've got an agent, you've got somebody you, you, you trust, yeah. you work well with, et cetera, and so on. A lot of guys don't have that. A lot of acts will have no that. One Musicians, has that. magicians, name it. Name, yeah. name a variety act that you know, yeah, lots of them don't have rare, it. pretty rare, isn't it? You need someone to guide your career a little bit, too. You need someone to go, yeah, you should right. take this show. No, you shouldn't take this TV show. Or, you know so a mean? mentor, like a Glenn Ottaway, you have in your life or had yeah. in your life, but people like that to come alongside. I need a you need a business mentor, right. and you need a, a performing mentor, too, right? Like you need a Glenn Ottaway or Herb Morrissey or something. like. You need somebody that, you know, go, this is where you need to go. Otherwise... I did, it, the thing is, too, people assume show business is like what they see on television, which is American show business, and Canada has no star system to speak of. Canada doesn't have anything like that, right? So you're, you're pushing, you're paddling against the, against the river in Canada. You got to get out. This is why American television is such a big deal. It's important to be on it because once you're recognized as being good in America, then Canada somehow accepts. And is that the hope too with the Penn and Teller stuff that 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 it could be a stepping stone to to another piece or another? It might be a stepping stone to another uh, TV show, but I don't know if it'll mean much in the end. It's tough to say. 
you know, the network is small, but there it might get me stuff overseas. I, you know, it'll be a lovely piece of tape. Yeah, I sure. Really, and I really wanted to perform on their show. I mean, it could. I mean, is the what whole, did you think of the overall? What was your sense of the whole show? So hard for me because I mean, I, the whole thing was just such a spectacle, right? From being kind of behind the camera in a couple settings, sort of almost feeling like I was acting as your consultant. No, you, you need to do that again, there, Matt. That was, yeah, yeah. you know, and that, that was, and then the, the one of the guys asking me questions about what. You, you know, questions as Oh, you, during the, where they shot the well, B-roll for my interview. Yeah. It was awesome. It was fun. But, whoa, what a surreal experience. And then to go from that out to Vegas at night to yeah. the, uh, the Walking around the Caesars. Season, I mean, just so <laughs> yeah. weird, right? Such yeah. as, the whole thing was pretty surreal. But, but I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was thrilled to be there on a, on a friendly level to see, I mean, honestly, there's a, there's a sense of, I think, accomplishment, certainly from my perspective, and I think that's what I meant about being a little nervous in the audience, you know, and I think hmm. Glenn felt the same, right? Glenn leaned over to me once and said, uh, this is while we were still in Vegas, and he goes, you know, I was actually a little jealous of you being up on stage. Interesting. Here. And I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. You wouldn't hear that from Glenn, so if Glenn's listening, I'm sorry, I tipped the work on that, but, <laughs> um... Yeah, I guess it also meant that he was not unhappy with my set, which is good. No, he was he was thrilled to be there as well, and I think there's there's something kind of cool about that Canadian contingent that was there and the camaraderie yeah, few, and the yeah. community and so on. Yeah, there's on. a few Canadians. They're one of the magic consultants. Keep watching Canadian the show; now. you'll you'll see who's who's coming up uh, for for the listeners out there. But yeah, there yeah. was what six Canadians this, this season. Maybe? Yeah, more than any other season. Yeah, I think in the yeah. past in the past three years, there's only been two Canadians or something like that. And so, I just found just found out. So if it is a stepping stone. <laughs> to what's, what's the hope so stepping stone? Is it is it the Tonight Show? Is it a sitcom? Is it I actually a... just I just showcased for the Tonight Show in Los Angeles, so there's a good chance I'll get that. But you know what's funny? The guy who books the Tonight Show, or one of the people who books the Tonight Show now, actually said to me because I said, "Ah, it'd be nice, you know, maybe you end up becoming famous." I made some crack about being famous from the performing on the Tonight Show, and it was sarcastic because I knew it's not true. But he leans over to me and he goes, "Just so you know, you could do all four major network talk shows in one year, and still people wouldn't know your name." It's not like the days when Carson had it. Right. So when you ask what the next step well, in stone is. Well, there's just so much out there, right? Yeah, Watch. there's a sea of channels with a sea of things on it. You're lost in a sea of information, right? So what's the next stepping stone? Don't know. I just want to keep working. I really just like, I don't want You just want to make a living. I just want to make a living doing the things doing I like to do. But I don't want, I don't need a sitcom. I don't need to be in movies. I want to perform live. <clears throat> but it's hard to get people out to perform live and there's all these these problems. It's a little, this is it's, like a depressing interview for anybody who wants to get <laughs> into show right. business. It's about residual But there income, are there are realities. I said on this uh, CBC interview the other day, they were asking about my son, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want him to be in show business. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. It would be, it's a horrible, stressful, in Canada, the chances are low, man. So what, what is it about, uh, is it the sustain, is it the lack of sustain, sustainability for you that makes you crazy? The not For knowing, everyone. The not knowing what's next, the... You know, and that's kind of like but that's any, any, that's that's any small job. business owner, right? Yeah, I mean, it's anybody's job. You could be shut down tomorrow, but it's worse in Canada because you, you can't, you can't even, there's, there's no star system. And things have changed, haven't they? I mean, you, you I mean. In Canada? Well, just from a show business perspective, from, I mean, weren't uh, you working a lot more 20 or 15 years ago? I was working a lot more before 2008, before the recession. The recession changed everything. 9-11 changed things, and then. SARS changed things. 
Yeah. Actually, here's the, since I've been out of high school, I was thinking about this. So I graduated in the early okay, 90s. Okay, if anyone doesn't want to be uplifted, now's the time to no, no, stay but tuned. Just, well, <laughs> but here's the reality. So I graduated in the early 90s yeah, yeah. after a crippling recession of the early 90s, which was worse than 2008. So it went crippling recession, dot-com breaks. Remember that bubble bursting in the yeah, late yeah. 90s? Then 9-11, then SARS, then another <laughs> crippling recession. Like... It hasn't exactly, the, the tone of the economy hasn't exactly built, right? So, yeah, it's difficult to go, I know what's going to happen next. Economists don't know what's going to happen next. So the nature of my work is all corporate. Companies don't know what the heck's going to happen, right? So how can I possibly prepare? What about, uh, we'll, wrap, we'll wrap it up here in a few minutes. We should probably re-record this. Live at the queue. Uh, what, uh, what's the, what's the, I mean, talk about the future of your own you know, your hope so future in comedy, but what about what co comedy as general? I mean, is the future more the the uh, Jerry Seinfeld approach of releasing something on 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 the web? Uh, you know, is you know, I read an article recently in the Hollywood Reporter that talked about how how Amazon Prime and, and Netflix is just changing everything from a Hollywood perspective because the studios are just not throwing the money at things like they used to. And well, they don't need to throw the money anymore. Changing, you can make right? it yourself, but you still have... So everyone always uh, parrots the same thing, right? Louis C.K. makes his own DVD, sells it for $5 on his own website, and he generates $800,000 in sales. Wow. But you have to have a fan base You've to have do a, that. It's like crowdfunding, you, right? You, you gotta but have the a only way to get that fan base is to be on television with consistency. Mm. All the, same with Patton Oswald. For all the stuff that people say about Patton, look, he was on a network sitcom that developed his fan base. It's, you know, it's hard now. Matt, how do you separate yourself? Everybody's got a podcast. Sorry. Yep. It's <laughs> but true. They're all everybody over. has a podcast. How do you separate your podcast from everyone else's? How do you, you know, and it's the internet. Every year I get older, there's somebody else coming up who understands the internet far more than I do. So the internet's changed everything. I don't know if it's necessarily for the better. I really don't. It's just still too early. To Fran tell. Lebowitz says, uh, you know, Fran Lebowitz, the author, she always says the volume of the Vox Populi should not be turned up too loud. Mm. And it's kind of true. Like, don't need to hear the voice of all of these acts. Like, it, you know, for Carson, there was one guy who was like the gatekeeper, and he decided. At least there was somebody making decisions about who should be seen and who should not be seen. Right now, it's everybody. Just reminded me of that Monty Python skit. This is your first lesson in how not to be seen. Yes, Do well, but I heard a great thing on the radio the other day. You'll appreciate this. This guy goes, um, you know, with regard to art, there's no point in trying to decide whether something's good or bad anymore because there's an audience for everything now, mm. and it can be found. So to, to label something as good or bad art, completely useless. Because, you know, if your thing is standing there with your finger in your butt uh, while you paint, there's an audience for that. You know what right, I mean? Right. There's literally an audience for everything. So, it's a good point. Who said that? Some guy on the radio show. I just caught the end of it, but I was like, oh, what a great quote. It's, it's kind of true, eh? I mean, it's, you could, it's, that is the Facebook Twitter age. I right? was at the MoMA once, you know, in Manhattan, and uh, I'm walking through that museum. There's a doorway, and there's a naked man and a naked woman. And to get into this art exhibit, you have to go through these people. And I have to decide if it's like my crotch to their crotch or my ass to their crotch. You know, <laughs> you got to make this decision about. And I'm like, this is art now? I guess it is. I think I worked a cruise like that once in the Toronto Harbor. <laughs> yeah. So weird. So yeah, remember we'll those see days? Where, Oh yeah, I remember those. I didn't so, care for them. So tell, so tell me a little bit, 
there's uh, you've talked a little bit, and we'll wrap it up. But from TV to TV, you're talking about a, a game show. I think you've been you're sort of in an effort to find an exit strategy and, and maybe <laughs> and consistency maybe. on TV and income and so on. Maybe yeah, I'm working with another entertainer, another comic about a game show. Um, working on a game show, trying to get that off the ground. Uh, but again, there's a you know there's a game show channel with a million game shows, and it's hard to find funding for all these. It's hard to launch anything from Canada, so you have to be in the States, but if you live in Canada, then it's hard to get down to America. Yeah, there's a lot of negativity in this, I just realized. In not this lot, business? In this, this? in this particular interview, <laughs> there's not a lot of hope, but that's the reality of it. Um, so yeah, what to do, right? Uh, the game show might take off, or it might not, but at least I feel like you always got to be uh, pitching, right? You always got to be at least doing you something. You do have to be dropping the pebbles in the pond, man. You got to be all doing the time. something, right? But at some point, Dark you start whatever. to get scoliosis in your back from holding all the <laughs> pebbles, and you're like, I can't keep throwing these fucking pebbles anymore because keep, I'm tired. Just go I, with the hope metaphor. Just yeah, keep, yeah, I always say the countless relentless hustle is what kills me in show business. Mm. It's just, it, after 25 years, you would think I wouldn't have to hustle so much. And in well, fact, and I have to in, hustle more. And there's some insight there, right? Right? There's ins I think there's insight there for, for, for a lot of different people, uh, small business owners and so on, but also for people who are getting into the business, right? There's, show there's business? Got, yeah, there, you, you've got to be good at a few things. Not that you need to do the kid shows and, the, and so on, but you got to have the business side. you got to, you oh, know, or yeah. at least, like you say, somebody coming alongside. To, you need to, to be net you. savvy. You need to, but all these things, so I don't care how net savvy you are, I don't care how much money you have, if you come from millions of dollars, like some people we know, if you don't have an act, it's useless. You know, you can do, you can pull every lever to get you onto the Tonight Show, but if you don't bring the goods at the end of the day, you're in big trouble. So you still better get out there and work. And a lot of acts today don't seem to care so much about the work anymore. Nobody wants to go and perform. That's, <laughs> they the, just, that's the guy going to mop the floor, by the way. That, I think he actually just saw my act, and he's cleaning it up right yes, now. Yes, the tears. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of people, wouldn't you say that? Don't you think a lot of magicians are more concerned with just selling to some trick and getting it public? They don't well, care that's about a whole, performing yeah, it's a whole other. that's a whole other market in itself, right? And I think to your point earlier, there's an audience. There's for an audience everything. for everything in a sense, right? So it's, yeah, that's, and, Tragic. and maybe that's, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's uh, sort of the way forward in some, some respects. Finding, finding that online audience whatever that means. Yeah, and then uh, nobody knows how to monetize that now either, right? So So is Seinfeld, so let's wrap with this. So has Seinfeld been successful with, um, let's see, I can't remember the name of it, Comedians, Comedians in, and Cars in Getting Copied? Because yeah. he had an audience from right. the Seinfeld show. Right. Which was a ground could somebody else have done that? I don't think so. Interesting. Name another comedian who could have instantly put something on the web and drawn in half a million viewers right out of the gate right and found Acura as a sponsor right away and right. got those kind of guests right, right away, right? right? Yeah. Like if I did that, say it was my idea, you and five of our friends yeah. would be watching us do and it. And maybe in five years you would have that audience, maybe, if you'd stuck with it and committed Even to it. Even Mark Maron, who has arguably the most popular podcast on the net right now, I mean, it took him, what, two, three years of just working in his garage, doing interviews and being broke. Tough to do that when you got a kid. It's hard. Yeah. 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 There's not a lot of. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's partially what makes so it kind of fun, so, right? So did you fool Penn and Teller? Not allowed to say. Oh come on. No, can't so you're, say. You're contractually obligated. I'm not contractually to. obligated not to say, but I, I I can say with some confidence that uh, Canada will be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's when funny. they watch the B-roll, they'll be impressed. As long as Glenn Ottaway is impressed. Glenn, that's all I care about. Comedy magic with Matthew DeStero clearly and consistently taking boredom out of the boardroom. Always. That's mattdestero.com. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us today. Indeed. Thank you, Brad.
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.